Yeah. Oh but my I'm, god, I think the, uh, it's video game. Does still sound like I'm, I'm in my, inside of my mouth? No. I'm gonna lower... No, you sound fine. I lowered myself. Oh, man. Oh, no. It's... it's... almost September. It's almost September, the birds are blossoming, the but it feels flowers like, are chirping. But it's like, isn't it April? Wasn't it just April? Uh, like, I don't know. Well, uh, let me let who, me grip it. No one remembers on. most of the. Uh, rip and rip it. That's a good foley. Yeah, I got. It's that, crazy uh, that you always make that sound with your mouth. Like that's not even like I yeah. I like the long term listeners will know that you are able to make that sound. That's true. And it's not. I, I'm gonna admit something to you. I have a soundboard. Oh. I've had a soundboard this whole time, and. Uh, I play the uh, can opening noise. Just to like sound cool because they're like, the, I wouldn't. Yeah I, yeah, I press F6 and then. This is a beer. That's right. You know what's crazy? I have to admit something to you. I'm using a soundboard and everything I say is pre-recorded. Yeah, I, that's. I always know beforehand what kind of stuff we'll talk about. And I assume uh, uh, the way that the conversation will go. So I pre-plan all my answers. Oh, man. So. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I just haven't been going out much this summer. Yep. I've been it's it's cool because it's like there there are so many times where I would stay I would go out uh in for, in previous summers and feel like uh I don't want to be outside, but I'm doing this because it feels like I'm supposed to. I mean, and you need to I don't like being outside. There's so much fresh air and that's horrible. I'm not even used to it. And sun, don't even get me started. But I don't yeah. like, so I don't like being outside, but it does feel like it, it It embedders your inside time. I like going for a walk. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll do that, but I don't like, uh, and every once in a while, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll do a day out, like, you know, like ride a bike, whatever. But, but it bike. used to be of like, uh, every weekend, I would feel like I have to go out during the summer, or I'd feel guilty, or it would rain, and that would be the best. But, but this summer, I really do just get to stay inside and play video games. And that makes me um, a hero, actually. I'm a hero. Yeah, that's really what uh, it's all about. Doing that. So it's it's good. I'm a hero. I stay inside. I play video games. Uh, it's great. So this is a podcast about heroes who stay inside uh, WTDG for the week of August 22nd which is when we're recording this podcast probably not when it goes up it never uh, is but definitely it never when is. we're recording it sometimes uh, i dream doing, ryan i'm doing standard um that's all what's I'll say the about standard that. for you like what is what is what is your default honestly the standard is getting higher but uh that's really what it's about i Things feel like are getting better in life that's it's good. about in life life isn't about the highs it's about the lows it's about making those lows a little higher you know what i mean like yeah i mean like, that's so, ranked play that's so that's your, valorant that's is like works, is right? like it's, you're it's, you go to aim lab and they're like you did four thousand better than your absolute worst and it's like well i felt terrible so so my if i feel terrible now then i'm at least four thousand better than terrible but that's and i try yeah. and i try and take that energy that's outside totally i wish fair. that there was an aim lab for real energy. life I wish that there was an aim lab for real life. Like, you know, when I think it's meditation is aim yeah, lab for real life. That's actually. true. That's true. I, 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 I was trying to get on that. And what, like usual, whenever I say that I'm going to do that, I do it for like one night and then I get bored. I get bored of it use, like uh, midway. 
No, so I need to like a sponsored. guided medication. Like um, we're not we're not sponsored, but do you use like have you tried Headspace? We I haven't like, tried. Like yeah, I haven't tried anything like that. Yeah, we liked Headspace when we did it, and they have the first few lessons are free, so you can check that out. That's pretty good. Uh, and I think it's important for people to uh, meditate, especially people uh, who have trouble sleeping, who have anxiety, who have like bad thoughts they can't get out of their head i think that that uh meditation is good and exercise yeah i think that those are the two big ones i've been exercising a lot more but i i I want a meditating app that is like tracking my meditation like aim lab and then it's like you didn't meditate that well today but it was four thousand better than your last your worst meditation so you're you're improving and then that way something where like someone is like saying like good job king or like I just, Aren't you okay. sweet, sugar? That, that, that works. Like, that works know, well. Just, uh... it, it always blows my mind that, like, I don't know if you were big into this at the time because I don't, I don't really remember if, uh, like, we were talking that much during this time period. But I used to love Last FM. Oh you know, yeah, Last FM. I loved Last FM. Like, yep. and Last FM is the ultimate in like, I, I, I think it really was just about like proving that you're listening to music on your own like and that you're diverse like i would listen yeah. to music that i was like i don't love yeah, this so, but people haven't so heard of this who don't know, yeah so for those who don't know last fm was a uh program that would scrabble and That's i think they, that the, they, they might have been the ones who came up with the term scrabbling is scrabbling um, really a terminology that has stand to the test of time outside of last fm i don't know but the idea was that they would uh, essentially, you would hook up Last.fm to your media player, like iTunes, and it would track what you're listening. Uh, and then it would, like, aggregate it for you and be like, okay, this Make is it the band you listen to the most. Uh, it would also give you, like, recommendations. That was the thing uh, that, like, obviously that's one of the things that it was most good for that actually makes sense is, like, you listening to a lot of uh, type of band might say like you love Terramelos, maybe you'll love Tricot. That wouldn't make that much sense, but yeah, there's some so, there's some value to that. But and you could tell there are people who just like grinded, like they were just like yeah, always grinding last FM. Plays. But that was me. Like it wasn't always like I wasn't like I was just leaving shit on all the time. I think I had done that, or like there was times where like I left music on and I was just like good. <laughs> Good. There would be times where I have to like turn it off so that I can listen to something that I don't know want people to know about. And it was also this thing where it would only record the listen if you listen to it like uh, halfway. Yeah. So there would be times where it's like, okay, I'm listening to the song for the first time. I don't really like it, but I gotta but listen I'm to gonna, the whole thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it on for at least long enough so that it scrabbles, and then I'll listen to something else. And it's it's amazing how often it just as a human you feel like you need uh a chronicling of, I need the of credit. your just a, Give me a the credit. credit yeah you're right Re- credit or a chronicling of your life that like um, imagining uh, like what else could they have a last fm of that because that's really it really just food, became about right? it i mean you could have food, it for food yeah just like i ate this taco today three I've, of this I've taco from this pizza place 300 and, times yeah in this restaurant sure and something they would scrabble your food plays and uh and like give you credit for it um and then if you, you definitely have like a skin well you'd have like a, a joey chestnut or something that's like i've eaten one billion hot dogs and you're like no no you haven't but then it's joey chestnut he's eaten one billion hot dogs that's like a regular day for him like they don't even ca- they can't even catch up with his the scrabbles of his food yeah so there's yeah. a lot of things you could scrabble. Uh, so food is one of them. Uh, obviously, TV shows, right? Oh video my games. God! When are they going to make a, a Netflix one? 
where there was a video game scrabbling service for a while actually raptor that's what it was called oh yeah raptor the, the, yeah. the, the Netflix one actually, for me, that makes a lot of sense, for real. For the same reason that the Last FM thing uh, makes sense, but um, having a scrabbling site for, like, all the different streaming sites, like Hulu and Netflix, everything like that, so um, that you could, like, li- like, watch a show and they could give you recommendations that, like, other people who watch this show also like this other show, but also kind of show off that, like, Wow, you have a lot of free time, and you do. Wow, a you've lot. watched a lot of documentaries. Wow, you've watched. Yeah, you've watched a lot of. You you watched Filthy Rich five times. What's wrong you've with seen you? Seen every season of Great British Bake Off, and you still burn your cookies. What the fuck? <laughs> did you see? Did, did you, <laughs> yeah, that you like. You are the like. Why aren't? You, when are you going to be on the worst chef in America? Did you see the uh, the the ill advised? Netflix poster for cuties. cuties? Yep. Oh my god. Cuties. Like how can you it feels like it also it, it, it makes me laugh that that it, we're still within the the Epstein cycle where where yeah. there's more there's like uh like filthy rich came out and there's still conspiracies. Probably the most believable conspiracies that you've ever heard because like why the hell like whatever. I'm not gonna get into it. Everyone it's also crazy right. because like Netflix is out there canceling uh programs like uh Patriot Act. A lot of people love that. It was sort of like a like a weekly news show that like would ho- focus in on one topic. Uh and people loved that show and they just like canceled it. And then they're like, oh, also cuties is coming. Yeah, like what are you doing? Like I, I feel like we're we should be past the point of of the child sexualization and that like children's pageants and like yeah. what is that? Like I feel like that's just never good. Like I don't think that there's positivity that comes out yeah. of that. Sometimes I doubt broad stroke. to sparkle motion. Sparkle motion? Uh, and that's a that's a that's a joke for for somebody out there that uh, that watched Donnie Darko, I liked Do- uh, I liked Donnie Darko, but I don't. That's, yeah, that's been a minute ago. Yeah, there was a. They had like a, a girl dance group called Sparkle Motion, and it was um, it was a weird thing. It was but they was also young... called out the fact that it was a weird thing. Yeah, it's a weird movie. Uh, yeah, you know, there's a speed run happening right now for Super Mario Odyssey. I don't know for Donnie have you Darko. Any, uh, summer Summer Games Done Quick. That's what's going on right now. I haven't seen Are, it. It's yeah, when did it start? Uh, when did uh, Summer Games Done Quick start? Uh, this is the last day. It started on Sunday. Wow, I missed everything. Mm-hmm. Neat. Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. There was a um, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night Zangetsu playthrough that was pretty sick. It felt a little, um, little weird knowing that it was not going to be. I always like. It's not the, the same. The right? energy like it, of the room, like I, I know, I know, know people always. Like, we know, we know that the room sucks, but there is something about it happening in a place. Yeah. And like people cheering, and like people are just cheering because they like, oh, that might have been cool, and and the the host told us it was cool, so we're gonna cheer. We don't yeah. really know what's going on, but yeah, yeah. but I. I uh, it, there it, is something about the room, yeah, for sure. It's Absolutely. important, like, and I understand. I, I won't discount anyone saying that it's pretty cringy usually because that's the like it literally is. the first thing Absolutely. that people tell me about it, and I and I agree. But uh, number one, like, I I do like that people can get together and feel comfortable in a space, and yeah, for sure, and, and not and feel have to feel like that, not have to feel yeah, like. And it's also important that like speed running is 
like a solitary thing. Like maybe your community has like five or six people, but, but it is a thing that you're like mostly practicing on your own, except for like the, the big ones who are, you know, streaming to the Siglemics. I mean, it's so, not, so, that's so a... it is this, yes. So it is interesting where like, uh, you know, these people who are like coming together from all of these like different, very small communities have a chance to showcase, you know, what they've been doing for the last year. Yeah, that is really neat. That's something like important about that's that. That's the right? scrabbling, right? Like, like I've been working yeah. for the entire year on Super Mario Odyssey, and now I can finally show you. Did you play Super Mario Odyssey? I did. I didn't finish it, that was but a sick I. Game. It is an amazing game. It's definitely an incredible Mario game. I don't believe I finished it. I might have finished it, but just not have completed I, I everything. The main line, but there's so much extra shit after, and, and it's one of the Mario games where it's like you get through the story and then they're like, okay, so now if you're a real Mario player, this is where, this is where we get wild. And Odyssey, I think was one of those where, uh, the game gets like insane after you beat it in terms of like the, the challenge level. Yeah. Uh, so that was a cool game. I've, part of me has been thinking about like playing breath of the wild again and checking out the DLC, but that's like a, that's a project. And also I'm already replaying other games so you gotta play a, ghost of tsushima it's a tall order i don't think i'm gonna play that i don't think that's on my on my radar forever or what if it came to pc i, I don't think that I'll, i don't think i'll ever play ghost of tsushima oh man i'm loving it i i i, I think that those types of open world games are just not for me anymore yeah i thought that and that's why i'm so happy to have to be enjoying it um i i definitely agree like i agree in a lot of ways but uh, I, I think that it, it, it really succeeds at a lot of interesting kind of side quests or, uh, set pieces and stuff. So it doesn't feel like just the, the more, uh, standard by the books, open world action RPG, where you're going to a place to just like fight a lot of people and kill one person or something like that. Like all the Assassin's Creed games, it feels like, like every... chase icons, right? Like yeah. You're, like, other... cause it, it has that absolutely. And I'm, I'm on record talking about this, this a lot, how like it is very basic in general gameplay. And then like the upgrades are pretty, the upgrades and like talent trees are pretty standard and not that exciting, but it, what is exciting is like the actual, quests they do a really good job with even the the it's like they they do a good enough job even on the the really short side quests that are like these really tiny like five minute things but will have like an interesting kind of twist to them and then the main quests usually have like wild set pieces that are like super neat and like just fun to to watch or be around uh so i'm enjoying that kind of stuff a lot and um just uh like to to cap off ghost of tsushima is like I got to the there's like a there's definitely like a part that is like a second act. They literally actually they literally say it's a second act. Yeah, yeah. Um but um where the enemy get much more like the enemies get much more interesting. You're fighting a lot of like samurai that uh you have to like really be quick and learn their their patterns and that so the game just overall starts to be a little bit more difficult and it takes a real step up because like by the time that I was finishing the first act it was like everything was just so figured out. Like I knew exactly what to do for every enemy and it just felt like I was like painting by numbers. And then in the second act, it feels like 
the game is a little bit more like testing me and there's better stories and better set pieces so just like the overall game has definitely gotten much better it's definitely stepped up entirely uh into the second act so i'm still liking that a lot. how much do you think you've played of it so far i would say hours? like 40 40 hours you're in act two you've played 40 hours i've done a lot of side stuff a lot That's of side stuff. Like, I don't even, like, remotely... I feel like the game is 40 hours long. I don't know. I, do, I feel like I've done so much side stuff. It really, I really feel like I've been playing for 40 hours because I've been I'm doing tons and tons of the optional stuff and ex exploration, like, uh, going to everywhere on the map. I think you can definitely complete the game really quickly because you don't have to complete any of the side stuff. And if you just railroaded the main missions, like, they're not that long. But um, yeah. but I'm doing all like these. One of my favorite things to do is is the um, there's these like tales, and the tales are like based on I guess like historical myth or figures, and uh, they're they've usually got the best storylines and set pieces and just like the neatest yeah I've just seen storytelling. Some of those. those are the really cool things. So like those are the things that I'm just like always focusing on when I get a chance to. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing Spiritfarer. By Thundergriff Games? By no, not Thundergriff Games. Spirit Fair, yeah, I saw that. I actually saw that on the um there was like a Nintendo indie showcase and that was one of the games on it. And they showed it and they were like releases today. And they did that with a bunch of the Switch games. Ooh. Uh so that's kind of cool. Lotus was, was the was the is the company. I, I was thinking about picking that up on, on Switch. It looks like the art style reminds me of a uh, Battle Chef Brigade. I guess that's I not that's that. not unfair. So they did. They did Jotun and Sundered, yeah. and now Spiritfarer. So, I I really really like that game so far. I've already put in I think like three hours, and that was just uh, starting I think like yesterday. Um, but uh, it is a really neat, weird kind of one of a kind game. I don't I don't feel like I've played anything, even though it it does combine a lot of different elements. It feels like a Ghibli film like it feels like it's like very Ghibli inspired uh and uh, in particular spirited away so um it kind of yeah. just starts out where you're like rowing a boat and there's this bizarre grim reaper kind of thing and it's telling you that you're going to take over as the spirit fair and you it, it appears to be some sort of like limbo where uh all yeah, these characters like ferrying people from the light from to the land of the dead, right? Kind oh, of. Yeah. It's hard to... But you're you're making them like... it. So I'm only three hours in, so certain things I'm not entirely uh, sure about and that are at least maybe obscured. But it's more like... It more feels like you're in limbo and you're making people happy enough to move on to like the next world to be like... Okay. To be like they're in limbo and they don't want to... They, they have like... Un, for, they like, uh, you know unfinished business kind of and you're going to make them happy enough that they can move onwards um so it it, it does feel like uh, and you do so by running by like managing a um boat that has that where you kind of like build up this boat to have uh in the beginning like guest houses a farm like a uh, field for planting um seeds and uh uh having individual housing for the characters, a kitchen, and there's so many kind of miniature things that you're doing. You're picking up these characters along the way that are these uh, anthropomorphic um, uh, people that are like that you know, like a a deer person, a frog person, and yeah. they they like certain foods and they have certain quests kind of involving what they want, and 
you're uh, kind of taking this boat around Wind Wake, almost like Wind Wake. Like, so, it's a, so then, like, the main loop of it so far has been managing this boat, uh, adding new uh, areas onto the boat, and picking, you know, you pick somewhere to go. Like, a character will say, we should really check out this island. It has... I'm still kind of in the tutorial uh, where they're kind of, like, railroading me into, like, you should go here to um, get iron to be able to upgrade our the blueprints for the ship or something like that. So uh, th- I, I'm still kind of being railroaded uh, into what they want me to do next, um, even though I'm allowed to like stray from it and it doesn't feel as, like frustrating. Um, but you're just, you're, you're picking a place to sail to and the, the boat is sailing to it. And on the way you can um, like cook and fish. And there's like many events like, uh, a storm where you can catch bottle uh, lightning and bottles and the characters on your boat will get hungry or lonely and you can give them a hug or feed them and they they want different types of food and they have uh particular they want different types of hugs as well yes different types of hugs uh wet hugs and like a uh, business hug yes like a, 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 a little pat on a pat on the head which is like a, a head hug yeah um and uh, it's it looks gorgeous. It's got this really nice uh, 2D style um, that, and all of it is very Ghibli esque to me. Like it's all very like uh, like it reminds me of like the 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 inn in um, Spirited sure. Away. It, it just it, like it just managing this boat, um, taking care of these oddball anthropomorphic characters. The writing is very good. Um, it is it is really like it sets itself up. I know that that like even in the um description of it they're they're saying it's a very common game and it really is like the the kind of like i've been faced with like what would kind of traditionally be called like a boss battle before and uh you're never like in at risk of even being hurt like you'll never be like hit or damaged or sent back to a checkpoint in this game it seems like like even a boss battle is like you're just like helping something and it feels like it's intense and the music ramps up but like there's never any threat so so it just feels like nice and calming to like sail around on this boat, slowly build it up, manage the the boat, manage the characters' happiness and stomach and hungers and the story's good so far, the writing is good. I'd really recommend it. I think it was only like nineteen dollars or something like that. So it's a it's an yeah, easy I'm probably gonna play it on Switch. I, I feel like it would work great. It would be a really good Switch game. Oof. I, I but... think I already told you this. I think I already talked about the fact that i I finished Persona Four Gold, so I did. I did everything. Yeah, I know. And um, you, you managed to not get caught with the, um, the limp yeah, ending. I, I think they changed some things in. Um, I, I did get a bad ending at some point, or I got like an incomplete ending. Uh, there were some things in the last day that I didn't realize that I had to um, wrap up. So, I, I, I had this really weird scenario. I think I already talked about it, where I immediately started the game over after I finished it, and then I was like, wait a minute. They never get back to this thing that happened on day one. So then I started, I, I reloaded my old save and figured it out. And there was a whole dungeon waiting for me. Uh, so I did that. And then now I've been playing Persona 5 The Royal. Um, uh, so what are the big additions? Other than they usually add, you know, extra dungeon stuff or... Um... So, so yeah, there's, a, there's quite a bit. So... Uh, First off, there are some hints in the prologue that there will be story differences. 
Um, but that hasn't really come to fruition yet. Right now, I'm at the end of the first palace, so I'm like about to send out uh, the calling card and deal with that. Um, so there are differences in the combat system. There are uh, new types of enemies that you'll come across that are like... Um, uh, also, I don't remember if they had... They might have had technicals in the first game where it's like if you light someone on fire and then you use a wind ability, it'll do extra damage. I don't remember if that was... One thing that I'm having a hard time figuring out is like what's different from Persona 5 versus Persona 4 and what's different from 5 versus Royal. Yeah. Uh, but there are like different types of enemies that you encounter now that are like... um. I forget what they call them, but they're essentially like unstable enemies where if you hit them, they'll counterattack you. So you have to try to like down them first using a weakness. And then like if you kill them, they'll explode and they'll deal damage to the enemies around them and drop an item. Uh, there are new characters in the game and uh, they introduce some of those characters like early on. And they suggest that those characters are going to create some differences to the overarching story. They actually changed... Uh, they added new areas to the dungeons, and they added a grappling hook, uh, which changes the ways that you will like maneuver. I thought there the was dungeon. a grappling hook. There was not, but now there is. All right. Uh, so there's that. Um, there, all of the DLC from uh, Persona Five is included in Royal. I'm definitely gonna check uh, this out when I get done with. Yeah. So uh, that I also includes uh, new outfits. And the thing that's that's like absolutely insane about the outfits is we know that Persona music is awesome, and the different outfits that you put your protagonist in uh, will change the music Ooh. Uh, for the battle, for the ambush, for the resolution. So if you like the Persona 4 music, uh, you can equip the Persona 4 outfit, and then you can have that. Um, and there's also uh, my favorite outfit is Persona 4 uh, Dancing All Night or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, has like like a jazzier, like hip-hopier uh, version of the Persona 4 soundtrack, which is just like awesome uh, to have in, in Persona 5. Uh, I like so that. Um, there's also, if if you want to like cheese the game uh, and or you just like want to see the story, you want to like rush to where you were, uh, the DLC includes a bunch of ridiculously strong personas that are at like level 90 uh, that you can un unlock for free right at the beginning of the game. Uh, I wouldn't recommend doing that, obviously. Uh, I do plan to. Uh, they have like Kaguya, who is one of the... Um, that was the Aeon persona from Persona 4 Golden. So what I'm going to do is once I get to level 16, I'm going to pick up that persona because that seems like a, a fair way to go about it. Um, and then they have like all these challenge battles that you could do in the Velvet Room. Um, and they also added these things called will seeds to the dungeon where every dungeon contains three will seeds that you have to find, uh, when you get them, they're going to restore some of your SP. And the reason why that's a big deal is that in persona five, um, they were a little bit stingy with SP restoration, which essentially means that, uh, at the start of the game, at least you'd have to spend multiple days, uh, trying to get through some of the dungeons. So now you'll be able to get, if you're smart with the way that will seeds work, you'll be able to get through the dungeons uh, in one day, which is going to increase the amount of like social stuff you could do, which is important because, you know, they added new social links. So this is giving you more time to explore the social links. And they also 
uh, just added more night, evening activities in general. So that uh, there there were so many times in like Persona 5 Vanilla where your character is just like, you're tired, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I remember like, that. So And I feel like they did that intentionally, right? They did that intentionally so that they could open that up for you in royal which is like kind of fucked up but that's that's what they do. or or just if or just like uh if they don't do that then they don't have an artificial scarcity like if you don't have enough social links and you allow yeah. people to do whatever like you, you i don't think it would ever be a good design to let people do every single thing in a, in a single run of persona like you should never be able to max out all the social links and all the stats yeah. the stats you can do but like the social links you should not be able to do um yeah like without just want fo you, focus like, yeah oh and they added a new difficulty level um so if you really like the the gameplay of persona like the, the way that they want you to do it right is they want you to max out your social stats and then do a new game plus because your social stats carry over right from uh to new game plus and so does your persona compendium which means that in your second playthrough you can max out all the social links uh, because you don't have to worry about your stats. Yeah. Um, and, and with these new difficulty levels, they really do give you, like, uh, something else to challenge you uh, once you're doing that that second playthrough. And, and also, I know that, like, um, in Persona 4 Golden, uh, there were certain battles in the game that you could only access if you've maxed every social link in the single playthrough. Uh so I'm digging it. Like Persona Five is probably one of the best games ever created. For sure, I wish I went out on PC. Yeah, I mean, me too. And I think that that's going to come. And also, I, I think that it will come to Switch eventually. But uh, I kind of got at this point, I got tired of waiting. And it's like, realistically, what is the Switch version going to give me personally? Right? Like it, it used to be where it's like, okay, the Switch version is cool because I can play it on my commute. Well, I'm I'm not commuting anymore, right? Yeah. So it, it doesn't really matter. That's what I was thinking about Spirit Fair is like why. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, there are very limited times where like uh, I'll visit Alyssa's family and I'll have my switch on me. But at the same time, like uh, I when I see her family, uh, since I'm seeing them so infrequently, I have just been, you know, spending actually spending that time with them. It's different from when I used to see them like every other week. Yeah. Uh, but Persona 5 Royal is excellent, dude. It's it's really really good. The access to the different music tracks is is sort of like a big. It's it's really cool to me. The thing that I I think is is crazy about uh, Royal is that, and Persona 5 in general is that it's like a revenge story, where like at the start of that game everyone treats you like a piece of shit, uh, which is totally different from Persona 4, where it's just like oh this new guy's in town. Oh, everyone loves cute. the new guy. It's interesting. Uh, but in this one, everyone's like, this guy seems like a piece of shit. And it's like the fact that you get to get revenge and like the game is based about like you getting revenge and like you're not necessarily like like you're doing the right things, like you're being a good person. But it's kind of like, if anything, you're chaotic good, you know? Yeah. Whereas in uh, Persona 4, you're definitely like lawful good. I mean, you're the uh, phantom thieves, like you're going and breaking into people's minds and stealing it's so slick. Like, I really know. Is. Yeah. I mean, they, they like absolutely persona five is the pinnacle of what persona has been. Yeah. So I'm also excited. I'm looking forward to the Shimagami Tensei game. That's going to come out on a, uh, 
Switch next year. That's I feel like that cool. that franchise can do with um, appealing a little bit more to Persona fans, probably, and making it so that it's a little bit more like broader reaching. But I'm sure that uh, regular fans of Shimagami Tensei would probably hate that. I think yeah, that well, I mean... I'll play any RPG that like I hate the um, first person rpg like sure. jrpg you don't like the etrian odyssey stuff. yeah i don't like that at all like i like there's some some of uh the game to me also is like i i appreciate seeing the characters and, because it gives me more of like a connection yeah. and watching them have like animations um that that feel like they're like they're like their personality comes out or getting new weapons that to, to that, like show off on the character stuff like that yeah. so you can see sort of a progression but if you're always just if it's always first person and you're kind of just like looking at enemies and then you do like an ability then like you don't see an animation you just see like yeah. ice hit the enemy it's just very um sterile sure yeah uh yeah oh. so i've been playing that um i've also been playing risk of rain too which had its one point yeah, release. That released. I'm a little bit addicted to that game. I gotta say, uh, the, the thing. So first off, I, I think that the best roguelite of all time is Enter the Gungeon. And you know that Rogue Legacy two came out. It's an early access. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, so and the thing that I liked so much about Enter the Gungeon is just that I, I felt like every run was like fairly unique especially with where enter the gungeon is at now like the synergies that you can get and like are insane and and i also feel like in enter the gungeon there was like always something that you could work for during a run so like it's not always just about beating the run it's about trying to unlock something specific and i feel like you get so much of that in risk of rain and it's not just about unlocking the new characters because I think at this point there are like 10 characters and you start with one of them. So like one of your goals is going to be to unlock the characters, but then the other goals are going to be unlocking unique abilities for the characters. Uh, so for example, the first character has this ability that you can only unlock if you beat 20 stages in one run, which is absolutely insane because a stage will take you uh anywhere from five to ten minutes so if you're taking a long time at this challenge it's going to take you 200 minutes so it would take you three hours in that run uh but at some point like as you get better at the game and you loop uh looping is essentially where instead of in the fifth level of the game you can either choose to beat the game or to loop around and start from the beginning and once you start looping, your character just starts scaling uh, so insanely. So another way that I could explain scaling is like the enemies scale additively and your character scales multiplicatively. Yeah. Because of the ways that the different items interact. But let me, I, I guess I should uh, walk it back a little bit and explain what Risk of Rain is. So the original Risk of Rain was a 2D roguelite. And Risk of Rain 2 uh, is essentially follows a very sim similar formula, but it's a 3D game where you're traversing these like massive areas. Uh, and you're playing as a character uh, who typically has like uh, cooldown based abilities. Uh, so the first character you get is like a soldier. You can unlock like a, a turret class or like a mage class or like a, a class that's based on like plants and like planting seeds. Uh, but as you're going through levels, uh, you're sort of on this timer 
where as you spend time in the levels, this timer is going up and it's increasing the difficulty level of all the enemies. So once you hit like the 10 minute mark, you go from easy to medium. So it's this kind of thing where your time is a resource. So you have to decide whether you want to try to full clear a level and get all of the unlocks and items, or you just want to like push through as expediently as possible. Like maybe you get a, a couple of good items and you figure like, okay, this is good enough. I'm going to try to push to the next level. And the thing about the scaling and like the way that the looping works is just that there is a ridiculous amount of like monster variants where it's like, okay, you've seen the magma worm, but have you seen the overloading magma worm who's accompanied by the elder imp lord? Uh, and, and it, there's just all this crazy shit. And every character has these unique ability unlocks. And there's also unlocking artifacts. Uh, so artifacts are like skulls in Halo, where essentially you turn them on and they're going to change the way that your run works. And, and it's not always going to be in like a negative way. Uh, one of the examples of this is there's an artifact that makes it so that whenever you open a chest, uh, you choose the item that you get. But the, but the parameters for unlocking it, like what you have to do to unlock it, is uh, pretty difficult, right? And there's a bunch of these, and they all have different challenges that you sort of have to uh, combat in order to unlock them. So there's just so much going on. And the actual moment-to-moment -moment gameplay is like good enough, and it's really cool seeing like how busted things can get, uh, that it is uh, really just exciting to... like. Once you finish a run, you immediately want to start another run, and it's co-op. So yeah, we uh, we, we played a little bit a little while ago, and I would like yeah. to play uh, more. I never I didn't dislike it. Um, sometimes my problems, like especially like I should just just play more. I feel like uh, uh, I never got a chance to see some of the crazier uh, like combinations of drops. But um, uh, hopefully, if I if I play more now, it's in one uh, that I'll get to to do that kind of stuff. I think I'll I'll try out uh, Rogue Legacy as well. Yeah, my advice would be to start on the easy difficulty level, um, because then you'll at least get to see what the game has to offer um, once you can start scaling up the difficulty. Rogue Legacy was all right. I, I felt like um, it was a really cool idea, but that I, I found that the moment to moment of like maneuvering through the level and like swinging the sword was uh, I wasn't as as into it. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, like, uh, Gungeon uh, and uh, Risk of Rain 2 does a good job with this, too, is just having the game be more fun overall and less about the, like, pushing till you're dead to slightly improve that Rogue Legacy might. Yeah. Uh, so that is mostly... Uh... I've been playing Endless Space, too. Yeah, that is... Uh, they also made a game, so what's the name of that company again? Is that... Let me let me get a look. Because they, they have a they have a style with their games. Uh, Amplitude, yeah. Amplitude Studios. What else have they made? Endless, I played Endless Legend, which was their um, their forex. There was a fantasy forex where the. What is Humankind? Twenty twenty one. Humankind is a game that will be like Civ. Okay. So they're making a game that is like more one to one Civ like. That kind of seems uh, weird. 
But but the difference with uh, Amplitude and the way that they design stuff compared to like uh, Sid Meier's Revolution is uh, way more asymmetric. So for example, in uh, Endless Legend, which was a fantasy 4X game, uh, you, you essentially played as a different race and they all had their own quests. Where like, as you're playing, you are doing a quest that is unique to you uh, that you're that that is iterative uh, throughout the game, with like building objectives and things like that. Yeah, I, I also feel like they do at least for endless space. Uh, I think they do that as well with just tons of different races and uh, a lot of asymmetry. Um, but they they do a lot of story beats. I feel like like a lot of like story beats happen that have um, pretty decent writing, um, and I, I feel like like it fleshes out the the factions really well like uh i i really like even just the basic human faction does it they they do a really good job with uh painting them in a very human light and that is to say that like they end up being kind of like 40k style uh like dictator humans or like starship troopers where it's kind of a fascist it's a really very much a fascist society and uh they're like they're like, oh, we'll we'll go to the stars and find new people to, to uh, like join our conquest. And it shows like aliens in that are like worshiping humans that are like slaves. So they do a really good job of of uh, of making these humans like kind of interesting at the same time of like having, uh, like like uh, taking a lot of other races in and like allowing them to kind of play a part, but also being like racist towards them. So they do like a really I feel like they like even that faction is like kind of fun to play and interesting and has a lot of flavor to it. Uh, cool. It makes me want to play like as like a really aggressive uh, like jerk throughout the, yeah. the game. But but yeah, I mean, it has a lot of the four X beats. Um, What's the moment to moment like? Uh, very similar, very similar to uh, that you might expect to to sieve. So like one of the main things you're doing is like you're playing in like a um, a like a galaxy um and uh you uh, uh kind of start out the same way that you would where you you um you have like a home, like a uh initial home base or like a set and like a settler uh that can go to somewhere else and you just go to different solar systems and take them over and the individual um planets and like moons on the solar system will be like uh there and they'll be you know inhabitable sometimes or habitable if it's a, a, like a uh easy to live on world but if it's if it's like too hot or too cold or gaseous then you might need to uh go through the tech tree to find abilities to be able to like uh or upgrades to be able to live and inhabit those areas and all the and it's very 4x so each planet you're exploiting a certain amount of like resources from it um uh whether that be like food for the certain planets or dust which is the space currency it's kind of like a it, I guess it's like spice, kind of like from Dune, where if it feels very much like spice from Dune, where it's a magical currency that gives people magic powers, but also is being traded as the default currency between all the factions. Oh. Um, and uh, other than that, you so you're just like flying to different solar systems, taking them over, uh, going through a tech tree to uh, to upgrade. Uh, your the capabilities, your your army, your like naval unit kind of stuff. Tree. What? 
I love a tech tree. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of cool stuff. I really like the presentation of it. I think that's a big reason is like I I like yeah. space 4x much more than I like human 4x. Sure. Um, yeah, and human 4x is pretty good. Though. Human 4x is. I'm not saying that the human 4x is bad. I'm just saying. Sweet game. I'm saying Civ is incredible, but I do like the backdrop of space. I mean, there, there's there's benefits and there's advantages and disadvantages to to either one of them because uh, even though they do a fairly good job with like once you inhabit a uh, in space, the original is actually in my um, I own it, but I don't remember buying it. Yeah, it was probably well. Endless space. I'm saying I'm I'm playing endless space too because I don't think it'll still be there. But during a Steam sale, it was like nineteen dollars for endless space which came out in 2017 and all the dlc so uh, a really good price for a game that's been really fleshed out and it largely holds up very well like the the art style is yeah. is really nice and it really does hold up i'm not thinking that i'm playing a 2017 game while i'm playing this yeah yeah so i noticed that uh you have played a little bit of stellaris yeah right? we talked about that a little bit and i so so how does it compare? Like, how do these two games... Uh, I, I Well, one thing I will say immediately is that Endless Space has a very good tutorial. And that's yeah. super important. Like, Endless Space... Because, what, like, in a 4X game, you're usually, like, looking at a mess of UI, of tons of resources, and, like, a certain... And then as you're playing the game, uh, you know, what will happen for the first, like, 20, 30, 100 hours of, like, a Civ game or a 4X game... Um, you will uh, not know what you were supposed to have done to manage your cities. Like, you get something going in the red, everyone's unhappy in one of your cities, and you're not sure, like, what was it that I was supposed to have been doing, or what did I do wrong that made my economy of a certain resource so low, um, and yeah. how should I have played around it, or understanding, like, certain kind of tech tree kind of things. Like, if you're like, how do you go down? How do you... Because everything is, like, blocked behind further parts of the tech tree, just like it is in, in Civ. So how do you choose to go down it if you don't really understand, like, by making this choice, I'm splitting myself off into making the, the next choice as well? Yeah. Um, One of the reasons why I've always been curious about Stellaris is because Alex has uh, 2,500 hours in it. I, I want to play more Stellaris, but the... Uh, because there's, there seemed like some cool ideas. And Stellaris I also bought because it was really cheap. And I like Space 4X, like I said. But uh, And it's I believe it's much newer, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure. Sh- or mean, at least a little bit newer. Maybe it's like 2018, I think. And, and uh, Endless Space is 2017. I know that Stellaris is like by Paradox. And Paradox is kind of like... Uh, they are... They make very hardcore games. Yeah, I did feel like so that there's a there's kind of a tutorial, but I didn't feel like it was doing a uh, very good job uh, teaching me about the game. And the uh, like YouTube tutorials were like hours long. Yeah. Uh, so that's like, and that's not even really a tutorial at that point. I feel yeah, like that's just like be, it has to be pretty insane. I mean, I, I remember uh, a game that I. I don't know that I can recommend to other people, but playing Dominions 5, which is uh, probably one of the ugliest games ever, but just like a super deep game. And I feel like I would like something with that amount of depth uh, that is maybe less ugly. Um, I also think that Endless Endless Space uh, does have this very good art style. I I really like the alien factions. They're all like 
this kind of 2D live art style? Yeah, I feel like I'd, I'd probably... I don't think I would have it in me to learn Stellaris. Um, whereas I do think that something like Endless Space could be more my speed. Yeah, Endless Space seemed a lot more manageable to me overall, uh, having but played I it. And it for humankind, actually. I, I think I, I want to see what they can do with that. Uh, that formula. I, I want to see what they can do with that formula, yeah. So yeah. cool. Uh, you know, I've also been spending a little, a little bit of time on Valorant still. A little bit of time. I'd say I probably play, uh, you know, a couple hours every day. Yeah, so, uh, that's been interesting. Uh, we're playing a lot of ranked if, as well. I don't know if I'm getting better. It's hard because, I like I said earlier, for me, it's been about uh, increasing my worst. So, yeah. so like today, I didn't feel good. I had, I felt good. We played one map on ascent where uh, I ended up doing fairly well, but I overall didn't feel uh, like. I was doing that well, making the good choices or like hitting the shots that I believe I'm capable of. Yeah, I got a 30 kill game in unranked, but once I moved to ranked, it just didn't happen. Yeah, it's it's really hard because a lot of, for me also, I believe that a lot of the stuff, I, I cannot wait to see replays because I believe that a lot of the stuff when I'm feeling myself on unranked is like, I'm like literally wide swinging and like running corners and doing things that like enemies won't expect because I feel like I'm disrespectful to them. Like I'm like I can disrespect them. Like that I don't feel like they're gonna aim well. So I do the kind of things that like you might not even feel that trained to do in Valorant. Like Valorant, you're very trained to like flick and micro adjust, um, and you're not that ready to track. Or expecting like wide swings, like you're more ready for someone to walk around the corner and have your crosshair on a head before, like, like before you even yeah. see them, basically. So if you start to like feel yourself and you feel like your aim is on, and you start just like wide swinging corners, just in a full sprint, then like these are the kind of things that like people aren't really expecting a lot of times. We played like a really we played a game that, in all likelihood, had two cheaters in it. It very much seems like it, they were because they were had a, at least one, at least one cheater in it. They were probably playing together. You, you, sometimes you could tell uh, because people who play together tend to have similar names, or at least they have similar naming conventions, right? Like even the, our names in Valorant, like you could look at them and think maybe those two are playing together. Yeah, um, kind of. But so, so they had similar names. And one of them was absolutely a hundred percent cheating. And and it's it does rare that we see people. Yeah, it's very rare. Who are definitely cheating. That's why I didn't want to call it out. I hate doing that. I hate that as a like as a almost um, rule, as almost a like uh, a mandate. Like a, like it, it just I, I I hate just saying like oh he must be cheating because that's a very common video game thing to feel like they played better than me. And, uh, like, I don't trust the system. Like, there must be something that's, like, rigged against me. They got lucky or they're cheating. Um, and Valorant is a game where I really do feel like it can be sometimes hard because you don't, if you don't see what the enemy is doing, then you can't see if they're cheating or if they're just, like, really good or got really lucky. There's certain things that, like, I've done before that, like, maybe look like horseshit. Like, so for so a really common thing is, like, I've gotten a lot of headshot smokes just by lining up uh my cursor with where i think a head would come out 
uh, yeah. down a certain angle, and then the oh, angle sorry. gets smoked, and then I shoot out down the angle, and it's because someone felt safe, so they walked around the corner, but I had my cursor lined up, and it was like, it was lucky, It w- it's always lucky, like, how did I time it perfectly with when they came part around the corner? Is, part of it is knowledge, though. Yeah. Like, you, to make the shot, it's probably, there's, you know, it, it it's an informed, you know, chance. Yeah. I mean, but then there's there there so there are, there are these kind of things or someone who's just like super just disgusting one day and like they are they are doing really good flicks they're headshotting a lot but like this was like way outside of what I've ever seen like if this person wasn't cheating they are hands down the best player we've ever played against like they were just Sue which yeah. is um a a professional player so there's like a minor chance but also there was some like really uh questionable things that are like way outside of the norm of like shooting people through two walls in the head so like one of the first things that like i like i kept he kept going b this was on haven and he kept going b with and like with no entry like but they were like the two people who were probably cheating were just like walking in with no entry no flash and just like just tapping heads like they were just completely walking in at like a full sprint they were like not they were only stopping to shoot but they were just like holding down w no flashing no smokes just kind of walking in and killing people and you know what's crazy also is just that uh i mean you don't see a lot of cheaters but uh i i think that the thing that shocked me the most about valorant today maybe it's not shocking is it we we kind of got the holy trinity of games right we played three games and in one game we had a cheater in one game we had someone on our team who was uh trolling and sabotaging our team and in the third game we had smurfs so i mean this is a consistent problem in this game yeah it is weird that uh league it it always it kind of does remind me of league and it's a riot game but um in in league i remember how much the online community is so well-spoken and thoughtful and uh just truly loves the game and then to be playing the game it's like where are those people i don't even understand because the people that are in my games are like angry trolling whiny they they want like they're like you have to let me play this role or and this was back before like you know role queue and stuff like that but people who are just like like the amount of times in ranked like an an in just absolutely uncountable uh, amount of times where people would just be like, I have to go this role and this character or else I'm trolling. And then if they didn't get it, what they would do is they'd be like, pick the a completely troll pick and be like, someone dodge. Someone dodge because I'm going to ruin this game if you don't dodge right now. Like, I'm, I picked a troll character. I'm going to ruin the game. I have to play this character, ADC, specifically. And if you don't let me do that, like, they're just like holding you hostage. And that was like such a common thing of just being like held hostage from the moment the game starts, and it's insane that that is like such a common thing. And it does feel yeah. like like Valorant is a shooter, and the, and like I feel like shooter communities tend I'm, to. I'm not gonna say that the community is necessarily worse, but the community does have voice chat, and the names are way more offensive. Yeah. I didn't see a lot of like bad names in uh, League of Legends, but in this game, it is like every single game, I'm reporting a person for their tag. For that, for for the the kind of stuff like someone running around shooting behind you while you're trying to walk. Yeah, uh, like well, a really, mean, like really intentional. Yeah, uh, every game I'm reporting someone for for their name. 
it's amazing how like playing more ranked is just like the style at which like it's it's just, it's always one thing it's always like we like the the someone picking a duelist and playing far behind everyone and then getting frags sometimes because they're the last one alive and the enemy team is like as weak as they're going to be because your team failed like your sage and cypher are suddenly entry because you can't like enter with phoenix and now you get like one or two kills because the enemy team was softened up and then like you look good on the storeboard and like the the score the story is that like you're making the kills and like why is your team not able to to do it and the the truth being that like you're playing this wrong so there's stuff where it's like people are okay at the game they're not trolling but they're playing in a way that is like you have to know that you're doing it wrong people who like won't ever want to enter a site people who on on defense people who are way too aggressive on like defensive maps where they're like, I'm playing Sage, but I'm going to try and immediately flank. Like, I'm just going to walk straight out from the site yeah. instead of trying to hold it. I'm going to walk forward. I mean, look, luckily, I mean, the teammates that we had today, like, uh, you know, they were they were playing well in a lot of cases. In, in ranked uh, weed, and it wasn't so bad. Um, uh, I did get called an idiot, and then I asked him why he called me an idiot, and he apologized. Uh so that's always weird. I think it's funny. Um, it's funny that like we, we had this, but uh, one of the core, I feel that this is, this is like a WTDG comedy moment that like is a core like bit that we do on WTDG that is uh, like, you can't usually give advice during a game. If someone asks for advice, that's different. But, but like if someone makes a mistake, then the correct thing to do is to like, tell them like, we'll get them next time because People are so about like even even thinking that they're they're doing a good job. Like there was like a, I remember there's like a big Reddit post that was like someone made a really bad mistake while playing Valorant, and I yelled at him and I said, "What the fuck are you doing?" And then the guy was like, "Was like, well, you know, I was trying to do this," and I said, "Don't do that next time, you fucking moron." And then he was like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right." And then they were like, "Be more like this guy." <laughs> it's like you just told a story, and that you are the monster. Like it doesn't. It, it very rarely. Like I absolutely understand the the frustrations, especially when it's like not coming from bad people. Like the Phoenix example I gave before, where I should be able to say like calmly, like, "Hey, Phoenix, like, can you try to go in ahead, like, flash us in or something like that? Let's see, like, what if you can get us on the site." And you have to, you do have to like monitor the way that you're talking because everyone, no one knows the angle that you're coming at. It's a, it's a video game. Like if you're losing, then tensions can be high because it's like a ranked match. So it matters. And it's, I feel like no one has any tact. It's like a lot, like you either have the people who are just like cursing people out for doing something bad as in, which is also weird because like you, it's not like you're perfect you know like so it's like weird to be like you're dead and you're looking at someone make a mistake like so you're dead already yeah um Um, at the same time i actually really appreciate constructive criticism like and sometimes people do a really bad job of um the way that they express it right like saying like why did you do this uh but but at the same time like i find it really helpful because uh i'm constantly making mistakes where if I were watching somebody else do it, I would know that it's a mistake, but because it's me, I don't even like, yeah. Like there are things that I'm doing subconsciously that are just a bad idea. Yeah. When, when stuff gets like really exciting in the game, you just become so autopilot. It's hard to, it's hard, it's hard sometimes to inject brain into plays that can be very reflexive. 
So yeah. I, I, I agree with that because I notice myself or, or dying and noticing that, like, should I have died that way? Like, yeah, sometimes you, you, you have to die in Valorant. Like, that, like, there's plenty of times where I could say, like, no, you just, like, I would have had to, like, die in this way. The person made a better play and they outplayed me. But then there are plenty, plenty of times where I think I could have played better, but I didn't notice in the moment. And sometimes yeah. I do just thinking back on it. It's difficult. But I do feel like um, I do feel like I'm getting better overall like that. Like, I, I think that the really frustrating thing to me is that I notice that I play I always play ranked worse than like like I don't I very rarely have the moment the moments where like I'm playing outside of myself and I'm playing like to my max potential or better than I thought I was capable of that I can sometimes manage in unrated. But uh, in ranked. It certainly feels like, and I wonder what the differences are that I, um, other than, oh, outside of, you know, just enemy skill, like, because I bet I'm playing more skillful enemies in ranked, um, that are trying harder and coordinating more, but it's weird to, it's weird that, like, I, I usually feel like I'm playing close to my worst in ranked, and that I'm, that I'm mostly just trying to bump that up more, to be, like, playing, like, like, my overall skill yeah. has moved up, rather than, like, my nutty headshots have moved up. It's more like, wow, even when I'm missing shots, I know how to like readjust and feel comfortable and make like normal plays. Overall, I am enjoying it. And even, even though like uh, ranked feels shitty in a way it is, it is, uh, I, I do feel like I learn more when I play it and it is, yeah. uh, it is cool to get better and then go into unrated and uh, feel more comfortable. Get, get 30 kills. Yeah. Know? Uh, right now, I have two thirty kill games on my on my uh, match history. Unfortunately, they're both unranked, uh, and they're both Killjoy on split. So, what are you gonna do? It's been interesting for me to play a lot more Aim Lab. I feel like there's some improvements that need to happen in that game. I don't know. Like, I I, I do. I feel like it's been helping a lot, and I've been trying to play it at night. I heard this was a good, and it, I think this makes sense from like a psychological and like a learning standpoint. Is like if even if I don't have time to play Valorant on a certain day, especially if I'm working, I try and do one playlist of aim lab and that would like just before I'm falling asleep. And I, I, I'm hoping that like there's some science behind that being like the last thing you do and consolidating that memory, like some of the, that, like the hand movement or like the thought that goes behind uh, that kind of aim um, yeah. with being like the last thing I do on the day so i've been trying to do more of that but it feels like uh and it feels like aim lab has some really good tools for it and i appreciate it but i i i, I for, for me i just want there to be like a quick way for me to up like to get into my playlist there's like the menus are pretty bad i feel like i have to like there's a lot of like bizarre menuing and going in like three sub menus to get to what you want to do yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, and also it's, you know, there's like spider shot precision and ultimate and speed. And sometimes it's not always clear, like which one you're choosing. Yeah. Uh, but I do still like it more than Kovacs because Kovacs feels like, I, I think the people that really do prefer Kovacs are ones who have been playing Kovacs for a long time. Uh, AimLab is newer AimLab does have fewer options, but I feel like AimLab feels more complete. Where to me, like Kovacs feels like a, a, a Gary's mod type of. Yeah, it feels pretty like, like dirty. Yeah, it feels very uh, raw, but but it, it gets it done, you know. Yeah. 
Um, but AimLab actually, I, I think it's actually just really fun. It's also. weird to see them do that. I don't know if we talked about this, but the AimLab um, having like sponsored, like sponsored yeah. players or like AimLab event yeah. kind of things is just like AimLab bizarre. Yeah. So, and also AimLab does do a lot of um, like sponsored stuff, which is weird. Like AimLab like sponsors people, and people like will like show AimLab clips as like a uh, a sponsored thing. I guess and that makes I, sense. I don't know sense. where AimLab really is making their money. They have supporter packs, like uh, Path of Exile style supporter packs, where you're just buying gun skins. But, uh, but why would you buy? I don't understand buying skins. I don't even play online. I play like offline. I like you're not. I'm not showing anyone. No one's watching me play AimLab. So like, it seems weirder to have like to pay money for a skin that like is in like a single player game that is like it i don't even want the skins on the screen to be honest like i don't even want the hand on the screen even though i mean i play path of exile as a as an almost entirely single player game and uh but you still like you still like see other people's worlds sometimes or go into their I mean, hideouts yeah, the only time they see me is like during a hideout transaction yeah but uh, also maybe they have it that monetized that way just as like a tip system right but it is different though because it, it it's still like path of exile even being single player like i'm not saying that i don't understand single player cosmetics at all even being single players like you're going to spend a lot of time looking at your character but in aim lab like i don't even want to see that like it's about it's not even about like aim lab isn't about fun it's not about uh feeling like you like the way your character looks or anything like it's literally just a raw progression and training tool so the idea of like buying it to buying like a gun skin is just bizarre to me it's like i'm not there for that like at all i think it's fun it, it can be okay grid shot's pretty fun so this micro shot micro uh, shots micro shot's pretty fun i've been actually enjoying motion shot or whatever it is the one where you shoot in the middle and then there'll be then it like like there's like a stationary um target and then it'll once you shoot the stationary target, it'll put a uh, a moving target somewhere. So you gotta like flick. So it's about like flicking and tracking, like so, like flicking to like a moving object. Uh, yeah. And then and then once you shoot that, it'll go back to you reset back to the stationary in the middle. And I, I I've been enjoying that a lot. That's been like my highest ratings of any of the uh, uh, game or any of the the, the practice modes. Weirdly yeah, enough, I, I feel like. Oh man, I, I gotta tell you, my stomach is growling. I think it could be the games. I mean, those are the games I've been playing. Those I are the games that there are. That's all I've been playing. That's, that's all, folks. That's a lot of games. That's ten. Was um, there ten? No. Uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, Ryan. This thanks, is, uh, James. Podcast. You can find us on the Spotify, the iTunes. You know where to find us because uh, you found us. If you're listening to this, you found us, right? So, <laughs> That's uh, true. Give us, the, give us the your upvotes and your comments and your high fives and all of that. Your kudos and uh, don't forget to check out our OnlyFans. Uh, oh yeah, we got the best raunchiest OnlyFans.com/slash/wtdgpodcast. Uh, yep, raunchiest uh, stuff that we got. You don't know. You you got to see what I'm recording. The clothes I'm wearing, or the clothes I'm. Is it about the clothes I'm not wearing? Where you can. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do it. Uh, so that's all I got to say. It's not about principles. Uh, thank you, Ryan Gowan, crying for the use of music. We use the intro and outro revive off the old album Beyond the Fleeting Gales. You can find them at the Rumpf Cover Bandcamp. You can't do you that. Can't, you can't. You can't do that. Don't lie. 
Um, but uh, we look forward to new uh, gallocentric music, which is the genre that Crying is in. Gallocentricity. Yeah. That should have been people the next. Just, next maybe his, people just listen to this podcast so they could uh, get some juicy info. Right. On what Ryan Galloway is going to be up to next. What a weird. This is where. This is where the, like, the Galloway News comes out. This, this is, is the, the Galloway News up. Network, the GNN. And I know for a fact that some new music is on the horizon probably within the next month. I'm hearing some good stuff coming out on a certain Friday. Ooh. 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 I can't wait to uh, listen to that music while I eat breakfast. Oh! I've said too much. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Dan. Bye. Bye. Bye.